Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's Word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go ahead, let's get started, but I will begin at verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the, word, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So let's look at 16 again and let's uh, dig in. Let's dig in says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So let me ask you a question. How much on guard must you be when it comes to needing your spiritual shield, which is your faith? If you said in all circumstances, you get a point because that is the correct answer. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So when we take up this shield, we must be ready in all circumstances. So no matter the situation uh, that you're in, even being alone, you must be in defense mode uh, with your faith, right? Because... Either people cause you to drop your faith, right? When you're talking and having a, a genuine conversation with somebody, uh, but you may get caught off guard and uh, let go of your faith. Uh, you might lose trust uh, in your faith because of what somebody says. Um, but here we're called to take up this shield of faith that is given to us uh, by grace, right? Through faith. 
um, we must understand that this faith is for us to utilize. Uh, and later we will see why we're utilizing this shield. What's it for? So yeah, uh, either people can cause you to uh, drop your faith or uh, uh, just thoughts running through your not yet fully sanctified mind that distract you into laying down your faith. Uh, but do not let that happen. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. There it is, right? We have overcome the world if we are born of God. And it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. So it's a definite, you will overcome the world if you are born born of God. But here you go. This is, this is how it works. This is what happens. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. So this is where uh, we must understand what causes us to gain this victory or have victory. Well, it's our faith. So how is that? Well... What is this faith, right? What, what are we talking about when we say faith? Well, remember Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of your own doing, right? It's not a result of works. So the idea here is we're trusting in somebody. Either you're trusting in yourself or you're trusting in Christ. And if you put your trust in Christ... Uh, then you must understand that Christ has overcome uh, the world by defeating death. How? Well, he rose from the grave to never die again. So we can put our faith, our trust in that and trust that we also will overcome this world by our faith because the victory is already ours. And what the Lord is doing, he is sanctifying us and growing us more and more into the image of him. And that's what it says in 1 John 5, 4, that victory that has overcome the world is through what? Our faith, right? Because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, right? It doesn't say most people who has been born of God overcomes the world. It's everyone. And then later it says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So notice that not just some of the flaming darts will get extinguished, but all of them. That's what happens when we use our shield of faith. The shield that was gifted us, that was given to us by God to use, right? It's not meant to look pretty on a wall. Uh, no, you, you are to use it. Right? It has to have battle scars on it. But guess what? Those who are on the other side of that shield is protected. Because it's meant to what? Extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We already spoke of who the evil one is. That's the devil, right? We're called to take up the armor of God. Because this armor is what's going to help us gain this victory through our faith, right? 
that's what it says earlier in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, and we read it. It says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the cosmic powers, the authorities, uh, and yeah, the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But we're called to what? Take up the whole armor of God, right? Why? Because we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil with this armor. So this shield is what's going to help us with the flaming darts of the evil one, it says. So do you trust the armor provided by God to work the way he intends them to work? Like extinguishing all the enemy's flaming darts? Well, I would say yes. Uh, we, we should put our complete trust that this armor that the Lord has provided for us will grant whatever God intends this armor to do. So we must trust that. We must trust in the Lord that he will help us through this. Uh, in all circumstances, it says, take up the shield of faith. There's never a time that we should lay down uh, our faith, lay down uh, this shield. It's meant to be on us for good. And the understanding here is that the shield that they used back then, um, it was rather big. Uh, it was uh, 2.5 feet by 4.5 feet. So it's a pretty big shield that you can actually allow the shield to cover your whole body, right? You can crouch behind that and it will do its job. It will protect you. It will extinguish. And it, here it says all the flaming darts of the evil one. Right, so temptations are like these flaming arrows that are shot by the enemy and they're being thrown at you constantly, right? And it's not just any darts, they're flaming. So this shield will extinguish those darts and will stop those darts, right? Uh, the understanding here is that we are protected by this shield, right? And Psalm 1830, listen to what it says. It says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in him. And then in Proverbs 35 and 6, it says, here's verse 5. It says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. The understanding here is that every word of God proves true. And why are we talking about that? Why, why do I even bring that up? Well, if you look at verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here when it says Spirit, it's speaking of the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. And the understanding here is that the Spirit uses His Word and works through the hardened hearts of sinful people and causes them to heed the call of the Gospel. 
Uh, do you remember earlier that we were talking about in verse 15, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, right? We are to be ready to give the gospel, right? We're not, how would I say, asking people if they want to hear the gospel. And if they say no, you must turn around, turn your back and and go the opposite way. No, when it comes to heralding God's word, um, you don't need to ask anyone if they would like to hear the gospel. No, the call of the gospel um, is to call sinful people uh, to repentance and have faith in Christ alone for the salvation of their souls. So these people that we are proclaiming the gospel to, they don't know they need the gospel. So if you ask them, do you want the gospel? They're not going to know if they need it or not, or they're going to be hostile and say, no, I don't want to hear it. All that jazz. But the command is given to all of us to be ambassadors for Christ, or we are ambassadors for Christ. And if that is the case, then we are to give this gospel, be ready to give this gospel. And when that happens, now the Holy Spirit can use the words of him and work through the hearts of sinful people, right? That's the idea that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing that we can do. We can't clean ourselves up in order uh, for the Holy Spirit to begin to work within us. No, as filthy as we are, uh, the Holy Spirit, if it is God's will, will come in and take out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and help us begin to heed God's call for us to eternal life through our repentance and our faith in Christ. So we are to take the helmet of salvation. Obviously, we put it on, right? We, we understand that we're going to have it frontless, understanding that the Lord has provided us salvation through the gospel. And then it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we have been given by God, as explained here by Paul, um, elements of armor that are meant to protect us defensively, right? So the helmet, the, uh, the shield, the shoes, the belt, the plate, the chest plate. But now we're giving an offensive uh, sword, right? Where we're giving something that is offensive. Now we can use this sword to combat the enemy and all of those who are opposed to God's truth. Right? All of those, or everyone. But we must understand that the, the sword, the word of God, is a double-edged sword. Right? We must understand Hebrews 4.12. It says this, For the word of God is, a, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning their thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight 
but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's where we begin to understand if the Holy Spirit works within you, within us, what he is doing he is exposing the sin that's in us and causing us to move to repentance. That's how we can repent from our sins and put our faith in Christ because that can only happen after we are regenerated, right? We cannot put our trust in Jesus Christ if we are still dead in our sins with no understanding of the gospel. You see, the Holy Spirit changes us, gives us life, and through that we can begin to understand our sinful nature against the Holy God. And then we can come to faith in, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by the scriptures that were preached to us alone. Uh, and all of this is to the glory of God alone. So we must understand that it is vitally important that sin is preached, that the full counsel of God is preached uh, when it comes to preaching the gospel. Because then the Holy Spirit will, can begin a work within the hearts of sinful men. Because God works through his word. It's alive and it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So what better way to bring conviction uh, to a sinful person uh, than the word of God? Because our words are dead words. And any word that we speak that is truth came from God. So take up the helmet of salvation. Put it on. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Be prepared to use the sword. But know how to use the sword properly. Because again, it's double-edged. You want to be careful how you swing it. And in verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the spirit. So again, we're still focusing on uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And here it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So not only are we given a sword for helping us offensively, but now we're also giving prayer to help us offensively, right? We are to pray uh, for the brothers and sisters as they are proclaiming the gospel, right? But we're doing it in the spirit. It says, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, Right? Romans 12, 12, it says this. Listen to what it says. It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Paul always makes it a point that we are to continue in prayer. Always be in prayer. Always be in communion with God, with the Father, right? Converse with him. Philippians 4, 6, right? It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants to hear us. And through prayer, he does. Because we're doing it in the spirit, right? God listens to all of those who are his. And also notice that when we, it's speaking of in the spirit, it's focusing more on our submission, right? So when we're talking about in the spirit, uh, the focus is our submission to God. Because through the prayer, we ought to pray within God's will, right? We're called, and here we're told to keep alert with all perseverance right? Focusing on our persistence. How persistent are you going to be, right? And then it says, all the saints, right? Which is focusing on whom uh, we are to keep alert with all perseverance, praying. We're praying for the brothers. We're praying for them, Right, First Samuel twelve twenty three. It says this. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good, and in the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. You see. We must continue in prayer. We must understand how important prayer is. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Right? Again, the same idea, the same understanding is that we are to keep in prayer. We are to keep in supplication. And then finally, Paul gets personal, right, in verse 19. Listen to what it says. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul gets personal by saying, and also for me, right, pray for me. And what are we to pray for, right? When he says that, well, he's remember he's writing to uh, the church of Ephesus, right? And he's pleading with them and asking them for prayer for him. Now, why? It says that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So there it is. The intention for Paul. And asking for prayer is that he may be able to proclaim the mystery of the gospel boldly. Boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That means it's bold. The way we proclaim the gospel is by proclaiming it fully, right? We're not sugarcoating anything, but instead we're giving it flat out how it is and what it is. And explaining the gospel and why it's such good news through God's word. And understanding that God's word will not return to him void. Right again, remember what I spoke about us being ambassadors for Christ. Paul here understands that he is an ambassador for Christ and what he is asking. 
not like he has done uh, great work in the spirit already by proclaiming the gospel. But even here, remember, he is imprisoned. And he's saying also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, he says. So not only is he's, he asking uh, for prayer that he may be able to proclaim this mystery of the gospel boldly, but he's also saying why, because he's an ambassador. But not only that, He's reminding the believers that he is in chains as he's asking for this request, right? He's not asking to be let loose, right? He's trusting in the Lord. But here he is asking something that's much greater or that brings much greater glory uh, to God than just Paul being let loose from, from the jail cell instead is that he may be able to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So question, have you asked the Lord or have you asked your brothers and sisters to pray for you that you may be able to boldly proclaim the gospel as you ought to speak? Right, you see how important it is that the gospel be proclaimed and not just shared with whoever wants some. Like, no, it's it's to be heralded. It's to be proclaimed out loud. Um, obviously, you're not going to get loud with someone that you're speaking to one-on-one. Uh, but the idea, the same idea goes for there that you may boldly proclaim the gospel to that person that's in front of you. Or how about your neighbors? Your co-workers, right? We must understand how important is our eternity. And us as believers, we should know how important our uh, life is when it comes to being ambassadors for Christ, right? You cannot proclaim or say that you're an ambassador for Christ and never proclaim the gospel, never give the gospel to uh, anyone and everyone, right? Cause their ear to hear the word of God. Because that is how we ought to speak. And notice he says that I may declare it boldly. So again, he's sticking to the boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Right, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through, through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then we are reminded, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we or so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? So Christ's righteousness was imputed to us, and our sin was imputed to Christ, and the Father unleashed his wrath on his only Son. But not only that, it was extinguished on his Son. The Lord was on the cross, and he said, It is finished. It's as if he drank 
the cup of wrath from his father. And he said, it's done. I've drunk the last drop. It is finished. So if you put your trust in Christ, you repent from your sins, put your trust in Christ, that he has come uh, to take away the sin of the world, right? He says that he, his name will be Jesus. Why? Well, because he will save his people from their sins. Scripture tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. So we must understand that, yes, our sin brought about death, and that is our wage, but Jesus paid our fine and he nailed it onto the cross. He nailed our debt onto the cross. And if you trust in that, you believe in this Jesus that did that, that he rose from the grave, right? Not only did he die, but he was buried. And on, on the third day, he rose from the grave. You will have eternal life. Put your faith in Christ and live. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. 